Do you know somebody who won't wear their seatbelt? Well, if they won't listen to their cars dinging, maybe you should add some of your own. Ding, 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 ding. Go ahead, ding, kids. Chime ding, in. Ding, ding, ding. Hey, you on the street, tell this guy to wear a seatbelt. Yep, it's okay to speak up because you know what? You could save their life. Learn more at buckleupva.com. A message from the Virginia Department of Motor Vehicles. Now we are. We were just talking about, I'm still learning to drink coffee. No. Uh, make sure you get really close to the microphone. Okay. Like this? Yeah. Mm-hmm. We And we put all this we put all this stuff on the show, you know. So everyone can hear me chewing the pie in my mouth? Yeah. Uh, Dick Clark, the producer of the Let's Go Eat Show, which is what this is. Uh, we're here at the Daily, as usual, 222 South Main in downtown Salt Lake. And... Uh, I just I ran into the owner, Ryan Louder, uh, as I was coming in. Nice guy and a really good chef. And here we are. And he said, uh, are you still enjoying doing the show here? And I said, yep. And he said, then keep it up. So we will. Uh, you should come into the Daily. It's a great place. 222 South Main. Uh, anyway, Dick got us a What is this piece of pie you got us, Dick? It's pumpkin with sage crumble. Sage crumble. It doesn't taste like sage crumble. It does not taste like sage, but it's good. It's good. What yeah. are you eating? What is that? That looks delicious. That is a chicken salad sandwich. Okay. So, you want some? Um. I have. There's a half I haven't taken a bite of. If well, no, I'm not going to take your sandwich. Well, you can take a bite of my sandwich. So what happens when you show up late to the interview? No, you're fine. You are not late. Uh, you can take a bite of my sandwich, and I wouldn't mind even eating eating it after you have taken a bite of it. I've been tested, and I only have chlamydia. Okay. So. Here. Only chlamydia? Only. Well, I don't think we can get it that this way. Perfect. We'd have to do something else, which okay. I don't think we're going to do. <laughs> so, just, so. just remember that, <clears throat> what's the saying? That um, front rub, no, 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 sorry. Back rubs in the front room lead to front rubs in the back room. Have you not heard that before? I've never heard that, but I'm going to cross-stitch that <laughs> on That's a like that, that, that was the thing that BYU students told me all That's the time. That's really great. Yeah. It's got like curry in it. Yeah, our, uh, our guest on the show is Lindsay Hanson Park. Uh, who I have, have the tendency to sometimes say Lindsay Park Hansen. That's fine. Yeah, uh, she is the uh, CEO. No, huh? Executive director. Executive director of the uh, Sunstone. In no Sunstone Education Foundation. You're so ed- close. Yeah, Education Foundation. I always want to say the Sunstone Institute. I like that. I'm the CEO of the Sunstone Institute. Okay. That makes me sound richer than I am. You be you became that. Uh, how long ago? Oh gosh, it's been since 2014. Oh, that long? Yeah. And, and why? It, it's a. I mean, how did that happen? Why you're very, you're quite young to be doing that? I think. Yeah, I was a little Mormon mommy blogger, is mm-hmm. what we called it at the time. So this is back at, like when blogs were big, mm-hmm. you know. And so I blogged for feminist Mormon housewives, and I taught a little preschool out in Stansbury Park, Utah, mm-hmm. and it was very successful. And then uh, there was a man in our neighborhood who was falsely accused of a crime that uh, didn't make sense. But because he was the only gay man, openly gay man in the neighborhood, we all suspected him. And, but as the story sort of changed, I I started questioning it, which, it, I mean, this I'm being very reductive, but basically the women in my neighborhood band together and pulled their kids out of my preschool because they were worried that I was going to make their kids gay. Be- 
Which, what? by the way, if I could do that, I would. <laughs> if I could make you gay, I would. Oh my gosh, gay people are awesome. So, I, well, I I cured a lesbian once. Good for you. That's <laughs> really good for you. It's a terrible thing to say. Promoting the straight I've, agenda right here. I've I've I have made I have made that joke to my to my uh, gay female friends, and they think it's hilarious. Listen, usually. I always say the biggest regret of my life is that I'm not a lesbian woman because I just get so distracted by stupid men. But I love. Love women. Women are awesome. I do too. I, if you I could think be women made gay, awesome. or if you could choose to be gay, I would choose to be gay in a heartbeat. I, you know, I guess I don't know if I would. I, but as I said to uh, somebody, you know, we're always in the gay pride parade, and I, uh, I was standing with a, 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 a gay man that I know, and there was a, a, a flatbed truck full of men in speedos, you know, <laughs> dancing. And uh, they, that's all they had on were these really tight speedos. And I looked up and you know at him for a second. I said, "You know, this is how I know I'm not gay. <laughs> this, this doesn't." And he said, "Oh, but I am." <laughs> you know. Well, it's, for what it's worth, I'm a straight wom- woman, and men in speedos. I don't know. It's not really my thing. I don't no. want to body shame beautiful, beautiful male bodies out no. there, but not not my jam. Yeah. So so anyway, you became the uh, the the director. Yeah, so they hired me to do social media, basically, because they had you know I was getting a lot of prominence as a blogger and a podcaster, mm-hmm. and then one thing led to another, and here I am. Yeah. Uh, it, it, do you like doing it? You must. I I do. I have a complicated relationship with it, just as I do with Mormonism. I like it, but I have to hear the bad stuff all the time. I mean, there because of the nature of mm-hmm. our culture, and there I think that there's a huge cultural pressure to be shiny and happy and tell a good story, put a good face to Mormonism that I think is rooted in the history of persecution. And you know, you have to make Mormonism seem better than it is, so you don't have your family taken away. Mm-hmm. But because of that, nobody can talk about the, the bad stuff, and there's plenty of bad stuff. And so they come to me to do that. They come to me and others like me. And so that's it's been difficult. I, I always say that I deal with the shadow sides of Mormonism, mm-hmm. um, which is really interesting, but it's hard sure. sometimes. What do you? What is it that you... Uh, oh, let's let's tell people exactly as concisely as we can what Sunstone is for. And so it's been around almost forty-five years. It's an open forum where people can publish. Uh, we have a magazine, and now we have podcasts. P- publish or speak at our conferences on any topic in or around mm. Mormonism. So we don't really censor any topic as long as it's respectful mm-hmm. in tone and respectful that other people might disagree with it. And and it's it's I've always associated it with a, a kind of intellectual. Totally, uh, there's an academic mm-hmm. element. We don't have a peer review for our magazine, so mm-hmm. that's why we don't claim an academic space. But we do have. I mean, our our magazine editor has like four billion PhDs. He's got. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and um, he, which is close to four billion, <laughs> right? Uh, and sometimes, you know, I'm kind of like, like the Taylor Swift of um, Mormon academia, Mormon studies. Like, mm-hmm. I'm just here for to sing poppy songs. I think people think that I've like brought down the the intellectual integrity of Sunset, which is uh, absolutely true. I wouldn't say I would say that's not absolutely true at all. I've I've interviewed you, you before, talked to you before. You're very sh- you're sharp and on point, and you're smart. Well, I I think the the thing that I encountered as a blogger is there was a lot of when we were blogging at Feminist Mormon Housewives, we were moms, we were Mormon mothers mm-hmm. who stayed at home, you know, and we would talk about our lives, and people would say, oh, that's really interesting, but that's not very smart because changing diapers and 
and kid stuff, that's that's not very smart. And we just felt like that was sexist. And mm-hmm. also, I grew up, we talked about this earlier, I come from Scandinavian immigrants. My people were not top tier Mormons. I didn't have the benefit of growing up in an intellectual household. We were just like chapel Mormons. Working folk. and Yeah. Mm. And so a lot of the stuff in Mormon studies, I think, is really alienating to regular chapel Mormons and people that go through a faith crisis um, journeys really get shamed because they don't have an intellectual like nuanced perspective mm-hmm. about the issues they mm-hmm. they just feel pain and and when they they're in pain a lot of mormon scholars will be like well actually there's a lot of context to it yeah. and i just don't feel like that's helpful so mm-hmm. i've tried to make sure that we are making this uh intellectual work accessible to everybody mm-hmm. and so i think everybody wins scholars win and the audience wins uh and uh, if people are interested in sunstone and, and looking at what they do what's the best way to do it the website i guess yeah go to sunstone.org we have i do a mormon history podcast um with brian buchanan and he is the biggest Mormon nerd. He works at Benchmark Books, which is a weird Mormon bookstore. And then, um, so I'd listen to that. We have several podcasts and we have a big conference at the end of July where we invite anyone. This is the misnomer. Because we claim Mormonism Mm -hmm. doesn't mean you have to be what people think a stereotype Mormon. We claim all Mormons. So we have, well, you've spoken there. Yeah. Yeah, I spoke at I I spoke at the Sunstone a couple of years ago, I guess. Yeah, do you like how I framed that? I'm like, we even let you in. Yeah. Um which which is pretty was astonishing to me when you invited me. No, I I really believe Mormonism is larger than a faith. It's a heritage. It's a, it's um when you especially if you grow up in America, it's it becomes a lot of your identity. And so we allow anyone that claims it or even is interested in it. So we have a lot of non-Mormons that mm-hmm. come that are interested in those weird crazy Mormons. Yeah, I mean, I don't claim it. I certainly grew up in it, and it was that yeah. it was how I it was how I was raised, and and your people descend from yeah, and all and my, and my grandparents, my great grandparents, my great great grandparents. Yeah, so we're trying to make Mormons. a space for people like you, mm-hmm. and also people that are believers, and we also have Mormon fundamentalists mm-hmm. that come, and mm-hmm. I mean people all over the spectrum, polygamous Mormons, scary Mormons. Yeah, we had a guy we had a guy declare himself prophet this last symposium, which is not the first time, so mm-hmm. very proud of that. He declared himself the, uh, the prophet. He did. He gave a really academic presentation. Mm-hmm. It was very, uh, he laid out his theology, which was actually pretty smart because most guys are just like, hey, your doctrine is wrong. The Lord told me and my doctrine is right. He had a, this well-articulated defense and then at the very end of his PowerPoint, his time was up and he said, and now the veil is rent. Thank you for your time and consideration. <laughs> and now the veil is rent. <laughs> That's you know, what we do at Sunstone. That You know that he's the real prophet because only a real prophet would use PowerPoint to present himself his authority. That's what I'm saying. Like, um, you know, I I know a lot of prophets. I've met a lot of prophets in the work Mm -hmm. that I do because Mormonism has over 487 uh, extant expressions of of the restoration tradition and I get to meet a lot of them and but this guy this guy had his act together. Mm -hmm. So if you like spreadsheets, this is the church for you. (laughs) Let me so let me ask you basic questions about Mormon and then I want to talk about uh, the shootings down in Mexico, the, okay. the murders in Mexico. But first of all, how is the church doing 
Is it the LDS the, Church? The, 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 the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. How is it doing? Because I, I wonder sometimes what they're up to. It's like they they are almost insistent on, we're going to become the church of old white people who are about to die and nobody else. The, the sad, sad reality is that's always been what Mormonism has been. Um, and, I, and I say that with affection because, like I said, I, I descend from the LDS tradition, but it depends on what your rubric is for success. I mean, if your rubric is growth, well, the church isn't doing well on growth. I mean, it is a Mormon joke in, in the circles that I run in and that they claim 15 million members. And, you know, there are faithful people that track that data and it's just flawed. There's, mm. It's not accurate. I mean, there's an est- estimate that maybe five million are actual mm-hmm. Mormons. Um, and if you look at that, like I, I was just uh, studying a cult in Congo. Um, it's this this new age uh, doomsday cult in Congo and it's a Christian cult and I was thinking it was so obscure and they have 40 million members worldwide. What? For, yeah, isn't that wild? What What's it called? Do you? Sorry, yeah. Uh, it's called, oh, I can't remember. It, but it's an insane amount. Hmm. 40 million might be way, yeah. way high, but way more than Mormons. And that kind of puts it into context because especially here, we hear, you know, 15 mm-hmm. million members and we're like, that's a big deal. It's mm-hmm. really not. No. So it's losing members. Uh, it's losing, I think, some of the best minds mm-hmm. in Mormonism. I mean, they're driving out all the creative people. They're driving out all the poets and artists and thinkers. And because it's just so... Um, monochromatic so it's not doing and I you know and I I've, I I posed the question one time to somebody um, you know they why haven't they excommunicated me I've not and I said I and and somebody said well because they want to count you you know and you haven't yeah. and you haven't done anything horrible so they'll count you after you die up until like 110 years or something I can't remember so mm. and you know there if you know the history there are the baseball baptisms um, which were when in the 70s a bunch of missionaries went to all of these developing nations and they would tell a bunch of school kids hey join our baseball team um, and we go and get baptized first mm. and that's what they would do and it, that was shut down but you can't count numbers like that but all Mormon sects do this mm-hmm. every Mormon group that I know either inflates or um, mm-hmm. polygamists are different they do the opposite they try to downplay. Sort of un- downplay their numbers oh there yeah. aren't very many of us really yeah. just, we just want to be left three, alone 300 of us no mm-hmm. um, so yeah I think that that's really interesting I think the church is also struggling with its identity it seems like it's going through another identity crisis with its name and it's just kind of stupid. I mean, from from my perspective, it's like, why are we wasting energy on this kind of stuff? Yeah. They're, they're, Mormonism has potential for some beautiful theology, and, and we're just not exploring it. Well, I mean, they do. The, there are good, really great things. They, they do good work around the world. They, the whole focus on family is a great thing that the, the church does. But then they do all the, the weird focus things that you say of, you know, how they react to, to gay and lesbian people, and uh, particularly, and it just it yeah, just, and people of color and the marginalized, and I mean, mm-hmm. there's a big critique right now in Salt Lake that there's this homeless problem and the church has the resources 
to step in and, and do something. Mm-hmm. But right now, I think the church's MO is to not do anything that is a loss. So the second question I wanted to ask you about that, knowing all of the things that you know and studying all of the things that you study, you have remained a, uh, a member of the Mormon church and you go to church. I actually don't go to church. You no. don't go anymore? No, I, I go to a lot of Mormon church, but I don't attend my ward traditionally, if that makes sense. Mm. And there's several reasons for that. I A lot of it is I t- attend a lot of different Mormon churches now. Mm. So like, you know, fundamentalists and, and not as a believer, but mm-hmm. more as a curiosity. I would attend church. I didn't mind it. I was one of those people, but I just find that my presence there makes people uncomfortable right now. And I don't want to make you people know uncomfortable. That, you know who that is, don't you? <laughs> It's Lindsay Somebody, Hatton Park. She has chlamydia. <laughs> and and the evangelicals, they love me too. The one of them said that I had a Jezebel spirit, so I've made that my cover photo. I just I love that. So I bring I bring the spirit, just the wrong kind. By the way, I think the chlamydia joke would, uh, was off the off the, off mic, so we better explain. <laughs> that, I have chlamydia. It's a very serious thing. Keep it in. Yeah. Nothing to joke about. There, no. There's no context needed. She's oh. got chlamydia. And it's a sad, right. sad oh, fact. Well, That's what happens when you common. leave the church. It's common. <laughs> yep, there you go. No, I um, I feel compelled to explain. Now we'll keep it in. That uh, was it. Did we get that part we on tape? Yep. Okay, good. <laughs> on tape or whatever good. we Do call it. Do you guys it. need to see? Should we show pictures? Yeah. No. No, please. No, please. No, please. Listen, I've I've ha- I've I've confessed this on the air before. I've had an STD, and it's not fun. So. Really. Oh uh, yeah. My first, actually, my first girlfriend. Oh. That was really. Did you? And were you like, this is what they warned me about? Kind of, but I didn't stop. Well, <laughs> because that's you know, how it goes. yeah, uh, you know, I w- I loved her anyway. You thanks, know, thanks a lot, honey. <laughs> you know, there are fun facts. This is the weird thing about me is I could tell you, like Joseph F. Smith was rumored to have contracted an STD when he was on his mission to the islands, Pacific Islands. Uh huh. So there's, you know, fun yeah. tidbits in history. And it's in and when you say tell people that Brigham Young had a, a cross-dressing son, uh, what was his name? His name was Brigham Morris Young. Yeah, yeah and he, he was w- Madame Petrini. Madame Petrini, that's right. Quite and quite an entertainer, and people loved him apparently. Yeah, he had the most beautiful soprano this side of the Mississippi is what they build him as. And did all kinds of performances, cross-dresser, yeah. and and was was quite oh, quite man. well known. Mormon history. This is what attracts me to Mormonism. Still, it's wild. It's it's absolutely nutty. I love it so much. Um, you know, I could tell you all kinds of crazy things. Brigham mm-hmm. Young's favorite wife was an opium addict. She was mm-hmm. addicted oh. to laudanum. Yeah, mm-hmm. I mean, I would be too <laughs> if I were yeah. having 10 kids with that gentleman. But So so, so what's interesting too, uh, we got to get to the Mormon shootings down in Mexico, but what's interesting too about things that come out about, these negative things that come out about the uh, Mormon church, uh, it used to be that they would kind of tr- just, let's not talk about it, let's keep it covered up. And now kind of what they do is, yes, yes, we acknowledge this is part of our history. And now let's move on. Yeah, I mean, it's a little too late for a lot of people, and that's the unfortunate thing, is I get to interact with all kinds of Mormons, and Mormons on all across the spectrum, from faithful to ex-Mormon, they're great, mm-hmm. for the most part. I mean, everybody has, has their stuff, but I, I just feel like those people, it was too late for them. They didn't need the church to be true, they just needed the church to be good. Yeah. And when you can't get in front of something like that or at least apologize once mm-hmm. it's out there yeah that's really hard for people it is that's kind of what where where i landed yeah was you know okay you're gonna just pretend this stuff didn't happen i don't want i don't want a part of it yeah no, people don't like to be lied to let's talk about mexico 
the uh, Mormon communities in Mexico. You know, I was kind of aware of them. Uh, I knew that they had existed for a long time. Mitt Romney's father, uh, George. George Romney. Uh-huh. George was uh, was was born in a uh, down in Mexico at a Mormon. He had he had a lot of moms. He had several moms. He was a he was a, in a polygamous family, and it was that in the same place in La, La Mora. So kind of yeah. Um, so there are about fifteen communities down there that fifteen colonies mm. that started in the eighteen eighties when Mormons were expanding and looking. The, the writing was on the wall. They knew that polygamy was you know. The government was closing in. Polygamy mm-hmm. was actually illegal in Mexico. People don't realize that. Hmm. But uh, John Taylor and a few others went down and negotiated basically a deal with the Mexican government and said, we will farm, we will, you know, we're good people and we'll keep that lifestyle quiet. And they have. And so they've started all of these different colonies. And the history of the colonies is as complicated as the history of anything in the last century, right? There's mm-hmm. a lot of breakoffs and, and splits and groups that, that came out that were crazy and cultish and some that are just, you know, regular people. And so the group in Lamora is like a little like farming community mm-hmm. um, outside of one of the colonies. And so it's nearby where Romney's people descend from. Mm-hmm. But you also have to understand that it's not so linear. Like Romney has descendants like you probably do and I do all over. Yeah. So we could trace our lineage back to a lot of folks in the yeah. colonies. Mm-hmm. Uh, so um, the uh, it's, very, it's a prosperous community, mm-hmm. um, s- several hundred people, and they're not are, they're not practicing polygamous. Is that right? Some are. Uh, Some are. So the community there um, in, in Lamora specifically <clears throat> has uh, several thousand people, and it's several thousand. Yeah. And they and they farm um, pecans. They have orchards like peach and apple orchards. I think I've never actually been to Lamora, so I I haven't seen it. But yeah, they are just living there and farming. And and there's a lot of LDS people there. There's an LDS temple down in in that area. Really, Chihuahua. so not not fundamentalist or offshoot, but actual. Right. So what happens is those families from the 1880s. The, some of them stay and come back and mm-hmm. go back, but whatever people stayed there and some abandoned polygamy when the church officially did in 1904 and some stayed polygamous and there's everything in between and mm-hmm. so what's kind of cool about the colonies down there and fundamentalists this is this is something i wish people would realize everyone thinks fundamentalists are like scary people that won't talk to you and there are some like mm-hmm. that but a lot of fundamentalists can hang because they're used to being the weirdos mm-hmm. you know and so down there i think there's a great spirit of cooperation that generally exists amongst a lot of the different mormon branches you know people respect that there are different beliefs and and so the families that were killed um, I can't confirm who was a plural wife. I know that some were involved with it, but they did. They certainly believe belong to an independent group that believe in polygamy. Mm. So, what is the relationship with that, those communities and the drug cartels? So, I mean, there are a lot of conspiracies that I have been unable to verify. It doesn't mean that they don't exist. I've, I've been hearing stories of uh, land wars and Mormons tampering th- with the water rights and stuff like old Missouri Mormons, you know, going in and raiding other towns and causing trouble for themselves and crying persecution. That That is certainly possible. But my understanding is uh, they're on border towns. So they're in drug trafficking country. And because they are wealthy and because they are predominantly white and American, that means, on the one hand, they're more protected in some ways than 
other uh, fellow countrymen, mm -hmm. but also that they are a good idea for ransom. So in um, 2009, the drug cartels decided that they would kidnap some of the folks from the community for ransom. So they kidnapped a 16-year-old boy. He was released without um, harm, but then it led to a conflict where... And apparently they didn't pay the ransom either. No, they didn't. So, they, But he was released, so they must have come to some other kind of agreement. They did, and my understanding was it was, we'll stay out of your way, you stay out of ours. And again, that could be more complicated than I realized. But uh, Mormons, here's the thing, like there's something in Mormons that that extends back to our history of like, we will not be driven out of our lands. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and I know, I know that that's not a perfect narrative, but they- You are a stiff necked people. Yeah, and, and it's kind of, especially that brand of Mormonism down there is like God and country, mm -hmm. which is weird to think about because it's not American patriotism, right? Mm -hmm. But they didn't want to be driven from their lands. And so Benjamin LeBaron became an activist to fight for that. And he was eventually killed, or I think he was taken and beaten and then murdered. Um, in Mexico. In Mexico by the cartels. <laughs> and so that was really the last conflict. And then, of course, you know, the American government sort of jumps in and rains hellfire on these cartels. So... I think the understanding was everyone would be left alone after that. Like, that was a mistake. Don't mess with these people in the colonies. But so what happened? Do we Any idea what happened? Well, so <clears throat> we know the FBI is investigating now. The right. Mexican government has allowed the FBI to go in. But the, the account is basically three families, women and children, were driving to um, a, a wedding. They, it was gonna t they were traveling to a wedding in a, another community. They were going to Texas to pick up someone from the airport, one of the, the fathers. And they were in three unarmed Suburbans, white, white vans and Suburbans, and they started receiving fire right. shooting. Now there are reports coming that some of the victims were shot at point blank range. Yeah, so, I heard that. Um, I don't know how that factors into the story yet because everything's still coming up. But my understanding was um, cartels, no one actually knows who was doing the shooting. It's assumed to be cartels. No cartel that I'm aware of is taking credit for it, which is unusual in some of these kind of struggles. Mm -hmm. well, not completely unusual, but unusual for this situation. And um, yeah, Christine um, Langford, she was one of, Christina Langford, she got out of the one of the cars in the caravan and was mm -hmm. tried to wave to people and said, there are women and children here. Mm -hmm. And they just shot her. Yeah. She was able to protect her little baby. Yeah. Um, but then there were some kids that were left. There was a teenage boy who basically snuck all the little children and hid them in the fields mm -hmm. until they could get some help. So the the belief is that they, the Mexican government is saying it's mistaken identity, that the cartels thought that they were other cartels. That's doubtful. Seems unlikely. Yeah, there's another theory that Mormons have been causing a lot of problems for the cartel in the area because of land rights, property rights, water rights. Mm -hmm. um, and just, you know, there's a lot of, like I said, trade routes, trafficking routes where... Could it just be simply jealousy? You guys are pro too prosperous and we don't like it? That's another theory. I mean, I also think that I've heard that some of the families there have over time gotten involved with drug trafficking. I hate to even I say wondered, that. I wondered about that. You know, may, not 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 using the drugs or anything like that, but, but facilitating 
somehow facilitating trafficking. Well, and I think as part of a compromise, sometimes if it, if at very least you aren't selling drugs, you might be complicit in some of the operations mm-hmm. just to protect your family. But I can't confirm confirm that, and I've been hesitant to say that because then the story goes, well, they're drug dealers too. Mm-hmm. There's no evidence of that. There, I've only ever heard rumors. Just speculation. Yeah. Do you think the FBI will get to the bottom of any of this? They, I, the, I mean, the families at this point have seemed fairly willing to talk. They've been on TV shows and stuff. So. Yeah, I and and I know some of the family members, and I know that that doesn't mean that you know their story is absolutely accurate, but. You can't question their sincerity. I mean, it seems genuine. I've dealt with a lot of fundamentalist groups where there is a lot of dishonesty and and things like that. And this this is just not that community. Mm-hmm. The, one of the things that frustrates me is there are they ha- have a last name of LeBaron, and there's some bad LeBarons. There have been, sure. Yeah, um, but this is not that community. I mean, saying that the this LeBaron community are all like evil, murderous polygamists is like saying you know Ted Bundy is the same as Clive and Bundy just because mm-hmm. they have the last name doesn't mean that they're the same Mm -hmm. and they have different issues so I don't know how the FBI is going to handle this I imagine um, it's it's these families that have been asking them to come in fundamentalists who are up to no good don't ask for that they the the families asked for the FBI to they did they asked for help they they've asked for government help Uh, Mm. they in fact they started asking it the minute um, conflict happened Mm. and I think that they have felt a little bit left behind in that scenario. But now it's now, I don't know. I think it'll take a few years, the FBI, when they do these kind of things. I've been involved in other investigations, and it takes a long time. Um, as as the, the the person you are in the work that you do um, with Sunstone and, and, and talking about these issues on a podcast, which is called what? Uh, I have a podcast called A Year of Polygamy, mm-hmm. and it's the history of Mormon polygamy from uh, its origins till now. So so someone who, I mean, this is your work, essentially. Yeah. So is it your work to, to keep an eye on this situation as well? Yeah, so I kind of follow and track these, but it, there's always this weird thing of talking about this community that I actually haven't visited, so I feel a little hesitant to do that. And also, I want to... hence. Yes. You should. And, uh, well, and I've been invited to go down there. Uh, there was just a candlelight vigil in Short Creek, which is a community that I spend a lot of time in where there's a Here lot in of... Utah. Or, yeah, and family members. Yeah. So I, I didn't go to that. I haven't been that involved in it, um until you know the press came and mm-hmm. so I had to sort of refresh my memory because mostly these people just keep to themselves mm-hmm. and there's I'd be curious to go there I, I love Mexico come with me we should go <laughs> all right you guys can breakfast they would probably sure. love it I mean right now it's really tense families are leaving mm-hmm. which is pretty remarkable because some of them stayed during the Mexican Revolution you know they yeah. when the government wouldn't protect them anymore and they have stuck it out and that's been a really big part of their heritage like we won't be driven now Mm -hmm. but now it looks like they might Mm. well although i did hear some some family member some wealthy guy down there say no i've got you know i would never leave this i've got and he's quite prosperous he said this is i've got everything in my life is here these orchards these uh this and this house and all this this is mine i'm not leaving this yeah and i think if they have resources to protect them it's easier but there are family members that don't have those resources do you think we've heard the last of this or uh no. in terms of will there will there be more violence 
I think violence in that area is inevitable until, I mean, but the, that's not a Mormon problem. That's a U.S. government and Mexico problem. I think mm-hmm. the, the history of the drug wars are long and storied and very political. Yeah. And, and honestly, I don't think it's as simple as saying like the Mexican drug lords are the bad guys in this. Um, in this tragedy, yes, if they're if they're the perpetrators, but mm-hmm. the American government has complicity in this too. So, mm-hmm. um, so uh, what do you have any recommendations? People are fascinated by this um, this particular story. Is there a way that they can follow it um, better than just wait through the newspaper and and the radio yeah. reports? Or so I'm going to probably do an episode on this. I've been waiting okay. for the dust to settle. I, I've learned over time that if you just get in there to get ahead of the story first that you get so many things wrong. Mm-hmm. So we're just going to wait and sort of see see what happens. That'll come out in a few weeks. And then um, there's a great Vice documentary that they did on the I, 2009. I, I saw a little bit of that. I didn't have, it was been like in 2014, I think they yeah. did that. Yeah. Yeah. So they cover sort of the history of this after the thing has settled down. And that will give you faces to these communities. Um, Do you remember what it's called? It's, it was done by Vice. And it's that head, the guy who runs Vice did, did it. Something about Mormons and the colonies. I, it's yeah. Mormons is in the title. It's got a picture of Mitt Romney on the thing. Mm-hmm. That's a really digestible way. And it, it's not a perfect documentary, but it, it doesn't do it a terrible mm-hmm. job. There are a lot of articles you can read, uh, newspaper articles. But again, it's astounding how much people have gotten wrong. Mm-hmm. If you care about the nuances of the Mormon aspect. Yeah. Yeah. The, let's see. The Mexican-Mormon War. Mm-hmm. That's the Vice documentary. Yeah, that, and that was 2014, you. and there was, it talks about tension. There was tension between the cartels and and the Mormons, and I think that's when that kid was kidnapped. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Lindsay Hanson Park, it's always nice to see you and talk to you. Yeah. Thank you for the pie and the coffee. Sure. Very Twin Peaks. Yeah. I'm glad. <laughs> it is very Twin Peaks, and you're you're getting uh, you're getting better at drinking coffee. Yeah? I can do it without grimacing. It's mm-hmm. alcohol. Why are you doing it? I wanted to know what it tasted like. I feel like coffee and alcohol have so much history mm-hmm. in humanity. And so wait, you're taking your first drink. You've been taking your first drinks of alcohol. I have. Well? I tried. Yeah, I, about uh, two years ago, mm-hmm. and it happened after I, you know, I'd already known that church pre- presidents drank. Like Heber J. Grant was an alcoholic, you know, and that's why he sort of reformed the word of wisdom. But it was weird. It wasn't until I learned that Ruland Jeffs, you know, the fundamentals prophet, was mm-hmm. an alcoholic. I was like, what am I doing? Why am I not at least trying this? Um, not because I want to be an alcoholic. They're the cautionary tale. But because it's like they're all doing it and telling people not to do it. Yeah. So I just wanted to see what it was like. It's not that great. No offense. I know it, okay. something's wrong with me. It's me, not no, you. You're, no, you're, 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 you're right. It's, it's a terrible, terrible thing. We heavy, we heavy drinkers can tell you. It, it's not. It just tastes like medicine and not the good kind. Well, I it's see, I love the taste of Us, bourbon. My kind of Mormons, we like our pills. Mm. <laughs> you know? Yeah, that's right. That's how uh, we take our medicine. Yeah. Uh, always a pleasure. Uh, I hope to see you again soon. And uh, again, Sunstone um, the Educational Foundation. Mm-hmm. And uh, come, the, come out in July, at the end of July, to the Mountain America Expo Center. We have a big conference. Sunstone.org. Yes. And um, 
And then your uh, uh, podcast is called? Yearofpolygamy.com. Okay. Nice to see you. Thank you. Uh, thank you, Dick, for producing the show and getting getting the pie. Uh, I want to thank Ryan Louder and all the fine people here. Oh, we just met the new uh, one of the new managers, Esther. Esther, yep. Yeah, she's great. Uh, here at the Daily, 222 South Main. Stop into the Daily if you're downtown for lunch, breakfast and lunch. They have takeaway items, too, that are really good. Uh, most of the stuff is made in-house. Uh, and, uh, yeah, it's great. And then there's a brunch on Saturday and Sunday here at the Daily. That's it. I'm Bill Allred. Thanks for listening to the Let's Go Eat Show. Tell your friends. And remember, if you're pouring drinks, always make mine a double. 